Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. <laughs> that was some good ASMR. Hi guys, welcome back to my podcast. <laughs> anyway, what we're trying to say is, hi guys, welcome back to the Long Beach Rain podcast. I'm Aiden, I'm your host for this podcast, and obviously as you can hear so far, Lindsay's here! Hello everybody, my name is Lindsay, I'm 20 years old, I'm a Sagittarius, and I'm looking for somebody to hook me up on a date with Will Poulter. <laughs> And as you can probably hear by the fact that she's not, like, blipping out or anything, she is live and in person for the first time on the show. Yeah, um, I'm at the studio right now just recording. It's, I feel like a professional, if we're being honest. Just, just letting y'all know how I'm feeling. Because <laughs> we, we've got the mic in front of her for the first time. She's never used my mic. And by studio, she means my ve- bedroom that's getting hotter by the minute because we can't have the fan on or else y- y'all would hear that in the background. But the room is pink, so I'm totally not against it. All right, so Lindsay, how have you been doing? You recently moved. Why don't you tell us about that? <laughs> I did. I recently moved to Peterborough. Nobody come to my house. Not that I'm the, not that I'm important, but <laughs> I apologize if I stutter. I don't know what's wrong with me today. But I did. We were there for a week, and then I started getting really bad headaches. So I'm like, let's go home. And I booked an eye doctor appointment, so I'll let y'all know how that goes. Yeah, hopefully you you your headaches. <laughs> stopping because that'd be awful for you well i came home and they immediately just they went away i was like oh okay maybe it's like proximity to your mother or something like that girl i don't even know they haven't went away completely but at least it's not like every day now because i seriously thought i was gonna die well the good news is that you're you're feeling better now all right so let's get into our topic today who are we talking about today Lindsay? Jaquetta. We're talking about Jaquetta Luxembourg. Now, I wanted Lindsay to be on this episode because she very much enjoyed her time talking about Jaquetta's daughter, Elizabeth Woodville. So I thought that she might uh, like to take it back a couple of decades before Elizabeth was born and talk about where she got all her stuff and where'd she get it from, Lindsay? She got it from her mama. Exactly. So not uh, that I can really remember the Elizabeth Woodville episode because <laughs> my memory sucks, but I know I had a good time. It, it's okay. I didn't go back and listen to the Elizabeth Woodville episode either. So let's let's uh, talk about who Jaquetta was for a second. So Jaquetta was she was a princess of Luxembourg at a very young age. She was married off to uh, the King of England's uncle. Uh, where she would end up meeting the love of her life, Elizabeth Woodville's father, uh, Dick Woodville, as you recall his name was, and that joke that I didn't get when you made the joke about Dick Woodville. Anyway, uh, let's get into it. Hope you guys are ready. Okay, so Jaquetta of Luxembourg was born at some point in 1416, most likely in Luxembourg, to Peter I of Luxembourg and his wife, Margaret of both. Now, a lot of Jaquetta's early life is shrouded in mystery simply because I don't think anyone possibly thought that she was ever going to be as important as she ended up becoming later in life. Um, 
what what's the vibe you get like immediately like what do you think her sign is if we since we don't know her birthday like what do you get from that immediately i got a pisces vibe now i can i can see that also which is going to be really ironic when we talk about her family history because it has a lot to do with water and fish (laughs) oh my god if she is a pisces i am forever the zodiac queen (laughs) Now, uh, since we can't uh, talk about her birthday, I thought we'd first talk about what I learned about her name, because obviously Jaquetta is a very uh, unique name in the realm of medieval names. Like, it's not Anne or Elizabeth or something like that. Nothing basic as fuck. Yeah, it's nothing basic as fuck. Jaquetta is a very interesting name, so I thought we'd talk about where it comes from. So Jaquetta is actually the feminine feminine form of Jacques, which if you anglicize that name, it would just be Jacob. Mm-hmm. And uh, the name Jacob means grasps the heel because in the Bible there is a man named Jacob who, when he was born, he was holding on the heel of his of his twin brother. So it's like he, he's also a pretty important character in the Bible since ten out of his thirteen children founded the tribes of Israel, which is like a huge thing in the Bible. So her name is like super super biblical, very on the nose, very important, and kind of really symbolic if you're if you're Catholic. <laughs> So, personally, I am not, but good for her. (laughs) Good for her. Nice, important name. All right. So, let's talk about her family because I think they're super, super interesting. I think you're going to like this. So, her father's family, they believed they were descended from this, like, mythical European water goddess named Melusine. Now, basically, the story goes that one of Jaquetta's ancestors, this dude named Raymond... Fucking Raymond. <laughs> Fucking Raymond. No, so Raymond came across Melusine in a forest one day, and he just thought, wow, she is so beautiful. I, I have to marry her. And she agreed to marry him on the condition that he never disturbed her while she took a bath, which he agreed to. So they got married. A couple years go by, and he just can't help his curiosity. He's, he's like, wondering, what the fuck goes on while my wife takes a bath? Like Sacrifices. Sacrificial <laughs> rituals. Don't go in there, Raymond. <laughs> so Raymond, being a dumbass, decides to go take a peek while she's bathing. And one day, he, he does this, and it turns out, Melusine is a mermaid. Bitch is literally half fish. Sorry, I thought I just heard you say she's a fucking mermaid. Like, what? What in the H2O is going on right now? <laughs> and this obviously freaked Raymond out, so he screamed as one would. And Melusine noticed him standing there, and her bath sunk into the floor with her in it, and Raymond never saw her again. <laughs> I've got a special power <laughs> that I'm not afraid to That's use. The HT- <laughs> is that the H2O theme song? It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> Now, obviously, this story is crazy, but believe it or not, Melusine is actually a pretty common fixture in our society today. We actually see pictures of her a lot because, believe it or not, she's the bitch on the Starbucks cup. What? She's the bitch on the Starbucks cup. That's... Jaquetta? <laughs> Jaquetta is on my fucking Starbs? Well, I mean, no, Melusine is. But she's okay, descended yes. from Sorry. Melusine. Sorry, so. I forgot her name for a second. I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to go with the first one. Yeah, I so Melusine is the mermaid on the Starbucks cup. She's the bitch on the Starbucks cup. Every time I go to Starbucks, I'm going to be like, hey, Melusine, how you doing, bitch? Yeah, I know. I like say hello to her every time I go into a Starbucks now. I was like shook to find this out because like, I never thought about like who was the mermaid on the Starbucks cup. I honestly thought it was just some random girl. And I don't want my bath to sink into the floor. So I'm going to say, hey, Melusine from now on. <laughs> okay. Okay. So getting into talking about her 
her actual fam family. As I said, her father was Peter I of Luxembourg. Uh, he was a relatively powerful French landowner and count. Uh, not much to say about him other than he uh, had a bomb-ass inheritance when he was growing up. His mom was a countess in her own right, so he got to inherit not only her title, uh, but also his father's title. So he got two titles. So good for him. Uh, Jaquetta's mommy was Margaret of Beau. Uh, she was a lady from southern France and was the daughter of Francis of Beau and his Italian wife. So Jaquetta was like a quarter Italian, which was like cool for her. Um, and this also, like her mom being half Italian makes sense. Her mom is from southern France, which is very close to Italy if you look at it on a map. Sorry, so I gotta clear my throat for a second. <coughs> Just warning the viewers. I'm sorry. I know some people find that gross. So just a warning. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so it makes sense that Jaquetta would be like a quarter Italian since her mom was from southern France. It's right next to Italy. It makes, makes a lot of sense. So before we talk about this uh, other relative of Jaquetta's, I need to give some historical context, if you will. It's time for the historical context section of the podcast. I'm sorry, I just can't get over the fact that she was a mermaid. I just keep thinking about it. I'm like, oh my god. Is it Jaquetta's descendant from the mermaid? It's she, pretty cool. She is living my life. Now I just, now I feel super strong about the Pisces vibe, because every time I think about Pisces, I just think of water for some reason. I told you. Alright, so, historical context. Let me tell you about the absolute shit show of European politics that is going on when Jaquetta is growing up. Now, at the time, Europe was engulfed in the Hundred Years' War, and I bet you're wondering, Hayden, what the fuck is the Hundred Years' War? Well, since you asked, Lindsay, I did tell that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Basically, the Hundred Years' War was the pettiest fucking fight ever over the French crown. So, many, many decades ago, before Jaquetta was born, there was this English king named Edward III, who was half French. His mother was French. And when all of his French uncles died, he was like, oh, so I can be king of France now, since I have, I have a claim through my mom, which, you know, makes sense. And the French were like... <laughs> No, you're you have your claim from a woman. You can't be king of France. <gasps> so they found another person in the French royal family who was descended from a dude to be king, which really kind of like kicked up the rivalry. And Edward III was like, "All right, war, war." I don't even <laughs> think that's petty. If anybody said that to me, I'd be like, "Fuck you." Meet me outside of a Wendy's. We're gonna handle this. <laughs> Basically, what Edward III did, he was like, "Meet me outside of the Wendy's." What is? Sorry, when? did this happen uh probably like like probably like 70 80 years before jaquetta was born what is like this era's version of a wendy's <laughs> a tavern i don't, I don't maybe know at the tavern josiah we're gonna fight this out <laughs> okay so but by the time jaquetta was born it was like getting really serious when she came in the world now in her lifetime the english were doing really really well on their side of the war, thanks to uh, a certain English king named Henry V of England. Now, even though Jaquetta was technically French, her family was firmly allied with the English in the Hundred Years' War, especially because the English crown had owned that area of France for decades that they, like, they 
the English owned her area of France for decades, so the whole family had ties to England. She was probably a little bit English on one side of her family, so like that's why they were allied with the English instead of the French. Uh, especially her uncle, John of Luxembourg. Uh, she spent a lot of time living with her uncle uh, when she was growing up, so she would have seen some like pretty like awful stuff from the Hundred Years' War, like firsthand. Uh, but one interesting thing I found out about her uncle is that he was the leader of a military company that captured none other than Joan of Arc. Not Joan of Arc! And Uncle John kept Joan of Arc at his castle and Jaquetta was there when Joan was being held captive at his castle. So it's like pretty likely that little teenage Jaquetta would have seen Joan while she was staying with her uncle. And even after her uncle sold uh, Joan of Arc to the English, she would have like heard about how Joan was burnt to death on charges of witchcraft, which would have kind of been a warning to little teenage Jaquetta that uh, powerful women can fall. And um, it would also kind of end up emulating her future, but we'll 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 talk a bit about that later in uh, part two the next time. Cause I'm no ordinary <laughs> girl. I'm from the deep Do, you, do you have to sing every time we <laughs> start this? I feel it in my jellies. <laughs> Okay, sweetie. So, uh, before we uh, move on into the rest of the story, I wanted to talk a bit about what our girl Jaquetta might have looked like. Now, we don't have really, like, clear ideas of what she looked like. We don't really have a lot of good portraits of her. A lot of the portraits, when I was looking for cover art for this episode, was, like, of her daughter, Elizabeth, because, like, obviously there are more portraits of her. But we can wager some, like, good guesses based on the fact that her future children were all blondes for the most part. So it's, like, pretty likely that she was a blonde as well, based on genetics. The basic beauty standard. Yeah, and she probably had blue eyes. Um, moving on to her education, we don't really know much of anything about her education since her, like, early life is so, like, question mark, but it was probably, like, standard stuff for the time. She probably got, uh, classes in dancing, music, embroidery, so that she could do, like, little sewing circles with her besties, uh, household management, uh, religious studies would have been important, like, especially deep Catholic shit, and other than that, that's really all I can think about, you know, just, like, your standard education for a medieval lady, because she seemed very smart later in her life, so I imagine she was per pretty decently honestly she did and thinking about the embroidery i'm just like embroidery is this decade's version of getting somebody's name tattooed on them i'm gonna embroider his name on a pillow elizabeth <laughs> we're in love that's 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 so right oh my god you're so right <laughs> And then, you know, they break up and she's, like, angrily unstitching yeah, she it. She's like, fuck this guy. Like, seriously. <laughs> all of my embroidery just wasted on this motherfucker. <laughs> At least it's a pillow, not your skin. You are so right. <laughs> anyway, so by now, it's the 1430s. We're going to skip ahead to the 1430s. England has a pretty good grasp on France. It has, it has France by the dick, basically. <laughs> And uh, because of Jaquetta's family's close ties with the English royal family, uh, they decided to make a marriage alliance with Jaquetta. Uh, her other uncle, uh, Louis, was the one who guided the marriage negotiations, and they ended up settling on this dude named John, Duke of Bedford. So let's get to know Johnny Boy. <laughs> 
Now, the Duke of Bedford was a pretty bomb-ass choice for a husband. He was very, very well-respected, and actually, up until then, he had lived a pretty eventful life. He was born in 1389, so, ew, there's like a 27-year age difference. Listen, that is my age difference with Misha Cowens. We're just gonna let it go. <laughs> it's actually 26, so it's a year less, but anyway, moving on. Anyway, uh, but to be honest, it could have been way worse. They could have married her to someone 10 times older than John. She could have married a fossil, so let's yeah. just be glad that it's somebody 27 years old. Yeah, J- John's almost a fossil. He's not a fossil quite yet. <laughs> Dude could have had one foot in the grave. Exactly. So, the Duke of Bedford's father was Henry Bolingbroke, who ended up usurping the English throne, and he became King Henry IV. Now, when his father died, his brother became King Henry V. Um, and he was a very, very good general to his brother. He was basically his lieutenant, his fucking right-hand man, and he was with his brother when King Henry V unfortunately died. Now, after his brother's death, he made sure he secured his baby nephew on the throne, that would be King Henry VI, um, and he fought the French like fucking tooth and nail to make sure that little King Henry VI also became King of France. Um, and especially when Joan of Arc arrived on the scene, John Duke of Bedford was on that shit. <laughs> He was, he was the moment. He was ready. Um, and he really didn't like Joan, like, at all, because, you know, she was a woman. And he mocked the, uh, Dauphine Charles, who was trying to be King of France at the time, for relying on a woman to win his battles. <laughs> um, eventually when Joan was captured by, um, Jaquetta's family and was given over to the English, the Duke of Bedford was the person who had Joan of Arc tried and executed. Which is crazy for Jaquetta because her uncle was the one who caught Joan and her future husband was now the dude who made sure she got executed. So, Um, ladies, (laughs) gents, and everyone, just everyone in general, just make sure that your spouse is not a fucking murderer, okay? (laughs) Unless it's. Like, the Winter Soldier or something, because I would marry the Winter Soldier. Moving on before I get off the topic. <laughs> now, personally, if I was 16-year-old Jaquetta, I'd be a little nervous to marry this guy. After all, there was the significant age difference, not to mention he was, like, kind of known for being this, like, badass general dude who, like, didn't take no shit. Uh, but she didn't have much to worry about, actually, because the Duke had been married before. He'd been married to this lady named Anne of Burgundy, and their marriage was pretty happy. Like, they were known to gonna, be happily say, married. I was gonna say, where did she go? <laughs> she She's fine. <laughs> what did he do? He didn't murder her. They were known to have, like, a very happy marriage. They didn't have any children together. But, uh, actually, funnily enough, his marriage to Jaquetta was actually, like, rushed quite a bit. Uh, the Duke of Bedford's brother-in-law, like, uh, Anne of Burgundy's brother, uh, was actually quite upset that the Duke hadn't waited, like, a full year of mourning for his uh, sister before marrying again. So... That that was a bit of a. That's that's kind of weird, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, like, why I don't. Why would you have to wait a year or so, like after your sister died, unless there was some suspicious shit going on? Like, it, like it's it was like a respectful mourning time, and like he didn't wait, like probably like three months after Anna Burgundy died, he was like looking for a new wife, which is like weird because he was so happy in his marriage with Anne. So I don't really know why men are just men are weird. No offense to the men listening, but just. In my experience, men are just, they're weird. It, it's okay, not a lot of men to listen to this podcast. Now, 
even though we're not so sure why he was eager to marry Jaquetta, on the 22nd of April, 1433, 17-year-old Jaquetta married 44-year-old John, Duke of Bedford, at Theron, which is a place in France. Uh, immediately after she married him, her status went from, like, 3 to 11. She was basically the first lady of France, since her husband was, like, he was... He was essentially the mayor of France. That, like, wasn't his actual title. But, like, he basically ran English-controlled France. Like, she, that, that was his job. She is basically the human embodiment of, let's kick this up to an 11. It, yeah, basically. Now, so, for the first two months of their marriage, they basically, like, chilled out a bit at the Hotel de Bourbon near the Louvre. Which used to be a royal palace, BTW. At the time, it was still being used as a royal palace. It wasn't a museum. Uh, and when she got there, she would have discovered very quickly that her that her husband had this bomb ass library, which was awesome for her. She was pretty bookish, so she would have had tons to read while her husband was out doing war shit. Uh, not to mention, he had an alchemy lab. Beauty and the Beast type shit. Yeah, that that's. Pretty much the same thing with his library. So, Alchemy Lab, which is pretty cool, but, like, if he wasn't a powerful man, there's no way in shit he would have been able to have an Alchemy Lab. Because Alchemy was, like, right next door to witch witchcraft in this time period. So, like, if he wasn't a man, they would have, like, arrested him for that shit. Which is also actually parallels. Uh, as I mentioned in my Elizabeth of York episode, um, she might have had, like, alchemy lessons as a kid, and Elizabeth of York is Jaquetta's granddaughter. So, there's parallels there. So, during the Salem Witch Trials, they wouldn't execute men, even if they did do something along the lines of witchcraft, because just fuck women, apparently. Yeah, yeah. for the most part, the only time men really got executed in the Salem Witch Trials is if they, like, like, uh, um, like defended women. Who were accused of witchcraft. Yo, what the fuck? That's, sorry. The Salem Witch Trials are a lot more messed up than I thought they were. We'll talk about that one day. Maybe you can come over <laughs> if I ever do something about the Salem Witch Trials. I think you should. <laughs> okay, so after two months at uh, this hotel outside Paris, they officially headed out for their home in England. And when they actually got there, Jaquetta had a surprisingly high standing at the English court since she was the wife of the king's oldest uncle. And since the king was 11 and not married yet, uh, she was the second, she was like literally the highest ranking woman at the English court, second only to the king's mother, Catherine of Valois. Uh, because of her high standing, she actually grew like pretty close to the young king, Henry VI. And since like legally she was his aunt, <laughs> they obviously spent a lot of time together. And also she was like closer in age to him than like any of the people in his immediate life. Like she was 17, he was 11. So... They were close in age, so, like, he, he's been with, like, a lot of old men his whole life, so, like, having a 17-year-old be his friend would probably have been, like, refreshing for this 11-year-old. Oh, my right? God, probably. If I had to just talk to adults all the time, I'd be like, oh, my God, where's, where's Pokemon? Can I play <laughs> Pokemon? I don't even like Pokemon. That's how much I'd try to get away. Now, right when she entered the English court, the whole English royal family loved her. Like, she was loved so much. Like, her... John's immediate family was, like, so cool to her. Now, when Jaquetta got to England, she would have become very familiar with a member of her husband's household named Richard Woodville. And, um, you know, keep him in mind. He's gonna be a little, he's gonna be a little important later. Maybe. Maybe. What do you think? Maybe? <laughs> um. <laughs> now's a good time for my joke. Aiden, <laughs> how do you get dick from Richard? 
I don't know. How do you get dick from Richard? <laughs> you ask nicely. I sorry, that was just yeah. You you bringing that joke back, sweetie? It has been brought in. Is that a word? <laughs> I I hate you. Okay, so Jaquetta and the Duke of Bedford are about a year into their marriage so far, and they get word that Jaquetta's dad unfortunately passed away. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah, he died of plague. <laughs> I was gonna say, when was the plague? Because they've been through so much. Right about now is the plague. And uh, because of the plague, uh, Jaquetta wasn't allowed to go to the funeral, which breaks my heart because she really did love her dad. She was, like, pretty close to both of her parents. And she wants to go be there for her mother because her mother's a widow and she's got a whole, all of these kids to take care of. But she was delayed from going, so, uh, you know, she didn't die from the plague. And little King Henry hears that Jaquetta can't go to her dad's funeral, so he holds a small service in England for her dad so that she can mourn until she can go back to France and be with her family, which was really nice of him to do that for her. He's like... He's what like, do I gotta do to have friends like that? He's like 12, and he did that for her. That's so nice. He's the cutest. He is. For now. Until for, I, for now. <laughs> until I hear what he does, and then I'll be like, ooh, fuck you, bro. Now, eventually she is able to go back to France and see her family in about uh, 1435, so quite a long time after her father died. It's like nearly a year and a half after he dies that she's able to go back. And by that point, uh, her husband's health isn't too great but he of course goes with her to lovingly support his wife and uh he leaves his squire richard woodville in charge of his estates while he's gone keep that in mind now jaquetta and the duke of bedford arrive in france they first stay in paris where she got to see her family which is great but uh what wasn't great was how the hundred years war was currently going for england they were not doing well now. Now, even though the English were occupying literally half of France, the French people didn't fucking like that. So, in the spring of 1435, Jaquetta and John had to move to the city of Rouen for safety. The Duke of Bedford was having a tough time back in France, keeping everything in order since he was pretty sick. He couldn't keep English trade routes open, and his former brother-in-law, the Duke of Burgundy, who was his uh, first wife's brother, was still mad at him. <laughs> For not taking a year of mourning to mourn his sister. So uh, the Duke of Burgundy decided to switch sides to the, to the French. It's just, again, that's so weird. Like, I know it's like a mourning time, but like, that was your sister. Like, just get married. If it helps you get over your sister, <laughs> go for it. I just, I don't get it then again. Like, he was just like really insulted that like John didn't wait. The he was drive. so insulted. He's like, what? wrong with you exactly your so sister is dead and you're looking for some more you know so the duke of burgundy switches side and this is a massive loss for the english because he was a huge player on their side so john calls up his bro richard woodville he's like hey hey richard can you go to calais for me which was one of England's, like, really important French ports that they held. And he's like, hey, Richard, can you go fortify Calais for me? That, that'd be a big help. <laughs> so from here is where old Johnny Boy is suddenly not looking too hot. Uh, even though his health had been failing for quite a while, he's getting sicker and sicker, and it's just getting worse and worse for him. So he's just... Exactly. He's losing his swag. Now, <laughs> while he was sick, he made sure that he had a will created just in case to make sure Jaquetta would be well taken care of if he were to die suddenly. Now, it was during this time 
when Richard Woodville comes over to, over to France to help fortify Calais, that Jaquita and Richard are starting to get a little close since they both really, really cared about John so much. Jaquetta really, really did love her husband. Richard was very, very loyal to John because he, he'd given his, him a job. Like, he'd made him important. They're getting a little, uh, a little suspicious. They're getting a little handsy. Uh -oh. Now, um, unfortunately, John, Duke of Bedford, did pass away. He died on the 15th of September, 1435, in Rouen. And now Jaquetta was a widow at the ripe old age of 19. <laughs> Now, you see, this is where waiting a year to get remarried comes into play. Because your spouse just died and be kind of suspicious to just jump right into another marriage. Because everybody's going to be like, um, excuse me. Now, obviously, her being a widow at the age of 19 is crazy. Because I'm 19, I could not imagine having been married even once by my age. So, it's pretty crazy that she was a widow before she was even 20. <laughs> Um, while her husband's death was probably sad and really tough on her, because she really did love him. He was really good to her when he, he, he did the bare minimum, but like he was, he was really good to her. Now, uh, since her husband had no legitimate children, uh, he had left her pretty much fucking everything that he owned. And he was rich, 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 rich. He was so, richer than Richard. He, <laughs> he was definitely richer than Richard Woodville. <laughs> um, he left, uh, pretty much everything he had to her, all his money, pretty much all his estates, except for one. He left that, I think, to the king, which makes sense because that was his nephew. Um, and he also left her his entire library, which was chocked full of expensive books. And uh, she had quite literally made it. She was one of England's wealthiest women, thanks to this inheritance. She was literally dripping in jewels a la Guanza. All she had to do was watch her husband die. <laughs> kind of like Grimes, only Elon Musk is still alive. For now. <laughs> yeah. Who now, knows? obviously, this isn't the best trade in the world since she really did love John and it was probably hard on her to watch him die, but like the inheritance probably softened the blow a little bit. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a tad. So after the Duke of Bedford dies, Jaquetta's nephew, the king, is like very, very worried about her. He's about like 13, 14 at the time, so he's like, Can you please come home? Uh, partly because he feels bad for her and probably because his ministers are pushing him to arrange a new marriage for her because she's rich now. <laughs> and though a lot of people thought she might have been infertile because even though she was married to John for like two or three years, they and they had spent a lot of time together, they never had any kids together. So everyone thought she might not be able to have children even though uh, the same thing had happened during John's first marriage. Of course, they put the blame on her and they thought it was her fault oh, and not John's fault. Like... Um, are they expected to have kids? Like, what if they just decide, like, hey, we don't want any kids? That's so not, it's not really a thing. <laughs> like, I would not survive in this era. Now, uh, John probably wasn't infertile. He did have two illegitimate children. Maybe he was just, like, a little unlucky, like, in regards to having children. So, like, maybe it was, like, a hit and a miss for him because he did have two illegitimate children. Um, so, King Henry and his government made plans to have Jaquetta brought home, and they tasked Richard Woodville with bringing Jaquetta home which turned out to be a huge mistake on their part. Um, Richard and Jaquetta ended up getting married in secret at some point in 1436. No one knows who married them or specifically where they got married because it was kept super hush-hush since Jaquetta would have been pretty fucking aware that she wasn't allowed to marry without royal permission. She had to ask her 14-year-old nephew for permission to marry. 
I feel like he would have given it to yeah, her. Yeah, he, he almost definitely would have. So they didn't tell anyone until Jaquetta was pregnant with their first kid. And they ended up confessing to the marriage in 1437. Just listen. Um... I got married. I'm so sorry. Also, I'm pregnant. <laughs> also, yeah, um, we fucked. Yeah. So before we talk about how much of a shit show the consequences of their marriage was, let's learn a bit about our boy Dick Woodville. Now, as I mentioned before, he was pretty lowborn. His father was a simple soldier. His mother was the daughter of a knight. And following his father's example, Richard joined the army and became loyal to the Duke of Bedford as his father had worked for the Duke of Bedford before Richard did. So even though Richard was not a crazy impressive person, he was still a really good dude. Also, I got to mention he was only 10 years older than her, which is a lot better than her first marriage age difference. And I think it's the fact that he was like a really great dude is what made Jaquetta like really fall for him. Like, I don't think she would have risked all this if he was a shitty person, right? I mean, you never know because sometimes the toxic men just have a hold on you. Mm. Okay, so back to the awful consequences of love. Um, When the king found out about the marriage... Richard was promptly arrested because he had married a member of the king's family without permission, which is a huge fucking no-no, like, especially considering he was low-born, like, you could get executed for that shit. So, Jaquetta had to literally go beg on her hands and knees for his life in front of the king, and even though he was mad and totally refused to see them at first, 14-year-old King Henry, he had a bit of a sympathy for them, since six years prior to this, his mother, Catherine of Valois, had had a secret marriage and six kids with this random low-born Welsh dude named Owen Tudor which I explained to you earlier so he did have a little sympathy for this situation considering his mother had gone through it and he had given her a pass yes seriously (laughs) so he ended up pardoning them he did charge them the modern equivalent of $1400 as a fine which I think was pretty nice of him Uh, which for them was quite a lot of money but luckily they were able to pay it just in time for their first baby a little girl named Elizabeth uh, I know, to be born, who uh, we have done an episode on, episode three, season two. Definitely listen to it. <laughs> yeah, do it. I'm on it. Or else I'll come to your house and rob you of all of your nice furniture. <laughs> it's a little threatening. Um, anyway, their first kid would not be their last. And to save everyone a lot of headaches, especially you since you have one, I'm going to tell you their kids' names and birth years right fucking now instead of spreading them out through the story because they have a lot of kids and I don't want to do that. So, first we have Elizabeth, born in 1437. Then they had their first boy the next year. They named him Louis. Um, Then in that same year, they had another daughter named Anne. So, Louis and Anne are kind of like Irish twins. Like, they're not like actual twins, but they were born in the same year. Yeah. So, in 1440, they had their son named Anthony. So at least she got, like, a yearish break for, between Anne and Anthony. Seriously, her bitch got a little bit of a detox before <laughs> she had to do it again. Um, after him, they had Mary, John, Jaquetta, Richard, Martha, Eleanor, Lionel, Margaret, Edward, and finally, in 1458, she gave birth to her last baby, Catherine. So that's 14 kids in 20 years. They have an army. They have an army of small children, yes, which is bonkers impressive in my books. And what's even crazier is, like, most of her kids ended up living to adulthood, which didn't happen very often this time period. Like, normally, if someone had this many kids, like, half of them would die before they ended up being 18. 
basically so, it's like a hit or miss if you have a lot of kids like, yeah just so you know they might just die yeah so only like two of her kids ended up not living to be teenagers which <laughs> two out of 14 is pretty impressive fucking ratio who are the ones that didn't make it um i think it was uh i think it was uh margaret and edward i think oh right yeah. edward cullen <laughs> um now, after being officially pardoned, they could have stayed at court, but they decided to uh, move out to the countryside. Um, they were able to purchase a small manor house called Grafton Manor from a friend of theirs as a favor. Like, he, like, pushed down the price a little bit so that they could afford it. And they spent, like, 90% of their time there and only occasionally went to court when they had to since it was, like, kind of awkward for them considering, you know, the whole secret marriage thing. Isn't she rich? She she is uh kind of rich they did take away a lot of john's inheritance from her as like a punishment for marrying richard but like she didn't she didn't mind she was like it's fine i'm gonna i'm gonna do that for him i love him she has love um stupid for getting rid of your wealth for a man yeah they they took away like half her inheritance they took away all the estates they took away the library they took away the alchemy lab okay hell no no man is worth losing all of that but richard was richard was so worth it oh Okay, so we're going to skip ahead a bit to uh, 1444, because in that year, King Henry decided he was done with France. He wanted to end the war. So, he signed a peace treaty with the new French king, and a part of that treaty was that the king was going to marry the king's 14-year-old niece, Margaret of Anjou. And Jacquetta was one of the people assigned to meet Margaret when she first got to England to help her adjust English culture since she had been French and had moved to England. So they thought she'd be a really good person to show little 14-year-old Margaret around, right? So right off the bat, Margaret and Jacquetta hit it off. Like, they became BFFs, which was really great because now Jacquetta and Richard didn't have to hide at their manor anymore because they were besties with the new queen. Two pretty best friends. Exactly. Which is also, they have like a weird age difference because Jaquetta's like, she's like 20, 20 or 22 now and Margaret's 14. So like that's an interesting age gap in their friendship. You gotta do what you gotta do. Hiccup, sorry. (laughs) Now, they were actually able to come to court more often and with her children and she even named one of, uh, Jaquetta was even named one of Margaret's chief ladies in waiting, which was like a great position with a good... Uh, cash reward because you had to pay ladies in waiting so she had a job now um a few years later uh jacquetta even convinced margaret and the king to give richard like a noble title and some income since richard was legit poor so the king gave him a few options for a barony title and he chose baron rivers which is kind of ironic considering jacquetta's connection to melusine since she was a water goddess so it's pretty crazy that he chose baron rivers as his title (laughs) Isn't that, like, so ironic? See the line where the sky meets the sea. No Moana. <laughs> Sorry, I just, you gotta, you gotta sing it. I am Moana, but not a moon. You will board my boat, sail across the sea, and restore the heart of Tiffy Anyway, so <laughs> as much as Jaquetta and her family were getting this, like, attention from the royal family, which was great, it kind of made them a target because a lot of the English people didn't like Queen Margaret because they thought she was, like, a French spy and she was, like, meddling too much in English politics. Oh, I thought they were just going to come out with, like, oh, she's just a total bitch. Eh. 1400s <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about how she was a little bit of a bitch. Uh, so... 
the the king was like he was pretty impressionable and certain people didn't like the fact that margaret was using the fact that henry was really impressionable and that she was taking advantage of that so some english people started to rebel but that was not the royal family's only problem uh even though they were supposed to be at peace with france uh, they ended up back in conflict with them over the territory of gascony which england had owned like for centuries at this point and they wanted to protect it because it was a very rich area, it brought them in a lot of money. So the king appointed Jaquetta's hubby, Richard, basically as the governor of Gascony. So uh, Jaquetta decided to go with him to Gascony and his soldiers to help protect Gascony. So they ended up waiting at the port of Plymouth with no orders and no money to pay Richard's soldiers. Uh, and while they were waiting for the date that they would sail to the town of Bordeaux, uh, Bordeaux ended up surrendering to the French, which was a huge deal. Uh, still, they did try their best to regroup. They did send Richard to the city of Calais with Jaquetta to, like, launch another attack to get Gascony back. Uh, they spent a year there and ended up coming back to court to, uh, support Queen Margaret because the royal family was breaking down severely and Gascony just wasn't coming to them like they were not getting that shit back. So they lost a huge amount of income when they lost Gascony, which was a huge deal. So I have to mention what is going on with our dear King Henry. So by this point, Henry, he wasn't a kid anymore. He wasn't an 11-year-old little kid anymore. He was in his early 30s. He had been king since he was a year old. And while his mental health had never been excellent, uh, he hadn't ever really been the best king anyway. He was impressionable indecisive and he was just plain not good at his job as much as i like him he was just not good at being king babies should never have jobs and being a king is one of those jobs babies should not have imagine being born and you just immediately have this responsibility to rule an entire country exactly but you know up until this point most people were okay dealing with him the way he was because he was impressionable which means people could take control of him which was fine with everyone until so weird. Imagine being able to take control of a king and just be like, can you do this for me? And the king be like, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. So everyone was okay with this until Henry's mental health crashed into the fucking ground like an airplane. Now, when Henry heard about the fall of Bordeaux, he was distraught. And one day he complained of feeling a little sleepy, so he went to bed early, which no one thought was weird. He went to bed early a lot. But the next day he didn't wake up. Oh, God, No! He wasn't dead. Oh, thank God. He wasn't dead, but he was completely catatonic. He was basically head empty, no thoughts, but in real life. Like, he was like, oh, like, he couldn't speak. That's an emotional roller coaster. Oh, I, my God. I think that's probably worse than death. Yeah. So, to this day, no one knows what was wrong with him or what his deal was. It might have had something to do with, so, Henry's mom was the daughter of Charles uh, the Sixth, King of France, and he was—he's pretty famous for having some serious mental health issues. <laughs> so people think that Henry might have inherited that because his grandfather did go catatonic once or twice during his reign. Oh. So that's what people think might have been going on there. But even today, no doctors have ever been able to diagnose what Henry had. Uh, meanwhile, you have Queen Margaret, Jaquetta's bestie, sitting here. She's seven months pregnant. Uh, oh, also, by the way, Margaret, she's just straight stressing. She's seven months pregnant. Her husband is like, no bueno. She's freaking out. 
And I bet you Kenna was also stressing at the same time since best friends typically share stress. We share stress. <laughs> this poor woman was just going through it. She's like, my husband is just the human embodiment of head empty, no thoughts. I'm seven <laughs> months pregnant. Why does this have to happen to me? Like, honestly, just RIP. So it was no bueno for about three months. And on October 13th, 1453, Margaret gave birth to a baby boy! Yay! Baby boy! Also, that's my birthday! Man. <laughs> uh, which was fucking fantastic for not only Margaret, but for the kingdom, since finally after uh, Margaret and Henry being married for a decade, they finally had an heir. Um, this was probably, like, so, such a relief of stress for Margaret. Because, like, it could have been a girl, which would have been, like, upsetting. Like, I, I don't mean to say that, but, like, everyone would have been really disappointed. Because yeah. it took ten years for Henry to fuck Margaret, okay? So. I think when Margaret said, let's take it slow, that's not what she meant. No. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, so Henry was still head empty, no thought. And in order for Margaret's new son, which she named Edward, by the way, to be recognized as heir, he had to be presented to King Henry, and the king had to acknowledge the kids. So Jaquetta and Margaret took little baby Edward to Henry, who was, like, sitting on his throne, totally fucking out of it. He didn't recognize his own kid, which was a massive fucking scandal. So Margaret was like, fine, I'll fucking do it myself. So she had baby Edward christened by herself, and Jaquetta, like a good bestie, stood by Margaret's side as she took matters into her own hands. Uh, now, it's about to get worse for everyone in this story right now. It's, it always does. It always goes downhill as soon as there's something good. But, so here's a spot of good news in Jaquetta's family. Her oldest daughter, Elizabeth, was getting married to Sir John Gray, and even though Jaquetta was still popping out babies at this time, she ended up becoming a grandmother around the same time she was having her last children, when her grandsons Thomas and Richard were born. You remember them, Elizabeth's first two kids with her son John, sorry, with her husband John, who died in the cold. Remember him? Yes. Yes. He, uh, he froze. Yes, he, fro he froze to death. Now, uh, since England didn't have a king at the moment, since, you know, he was head empty, no thoughts, the Privy Council decided that a regent needed to be named to rule in Henry's stead, which was a totally normal thing to do if the king was out of commission. And Margaret, you know, automatically thought it was going to be her since she was the queen, mother of the heir. Totally makes sense that she would think that she'd be regent. But as I mentioned, uh, Margaret was not popular because she was wee wee French. So uh, the Privy Council appointed the king's distant cousin, Richard of York, to become regent, which was actually, he was a good choice, actually, believe it or not. He was organized, smart, very well respected, did not have a spot on his fucking record. Like, he was a good dude. But... Oh, as he, soon as you think they're good there's always a but and then you know you just find out they murdered like a ton of people he like, was also okay. very very ambitious and thought he could do the job better than henry oh god of course he would and with king henry out of commission a lot of people were looking towards richard of york like he might be a much better king than henry oh no and most people were flocking to his cause and this is where the origin of the wars of the roses starts and I think now would be a great time to leave this part one on a cliffhanger. Bum, bum, bum! Sorry, we hate, we had to do it to We you. hate you guys, we're sorry. We had to do it to you, I'm sorry. Now, unless you want to just read about this, this is where we're going to leave 
part one. Thank you guys so much for joining me and my girl Lindsay on this episode. We will see you in part two in two weeks. Goodbye. Love you. <laughs> right? Um, I will be on it. So I hope you guys like it. Y'all better fucking tune in for part two. <laughs> Please. Please. I just, I really hope it's entertaining for you guys. Also, um, no, I am not a singer. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> All right, guys. Goodbye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMayShereign2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.